everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Time for Spawn Daily. We're up to issue number 29. Uh, apologies that Rocky can't join me again. He's having some uh, family things that he needs to take care of. So uh, I'll be running solo for the Spawn Daily for today as well as tomorrow. Uh, hopefully Rocky will be back soon. Also, don't forget we have our DC Spotlight that's out today as well, covering all the DC comics. I know there's some really important DC comics today. Again, running solo on it, uh, which it does a couple things. At least it makes it go faster, right? Like those DC uh, spotlights tend to be pretty long because Rocky and I are both, you know, big DC fans and we often have a lot to say. Uh, but I'm kind of disappointed. You know, I have to admit, like, you know, fully understand hoping for the best for for rocky and his family as they deal with these issues um but man i gotta say i'm I'm always disappointed when i have to run solo on the dc spotlight because i love hearing rocky's uh comments on those dc books because uh you know so often he has a different perspective is uh than i do and there's some important books you know so uh again go check that out if you feel like it meanwhile i'm gonna dive into spawn number 29 bit of a different feel for this one this time uh, let me go ahead and uh, share my screen so you guys can check it out. Uh, interesting cover. You see Spawn there and the, the cape or the symbiote, whatever. It's it's really, as you can see, not the usual flowy type of, of cape that we see there. A lot of black as opposed to black and red. They're usually used to seeing Spawn, um, but it's almost like the, the symbiote costume or what have you is... Um, has really worn out. So uh, as you can see, Todd McFarlane does the story. It's Capullo and McFarlane with a special thanks to Kevin Conrad on art. And what I want to point out is it's been Capullo and McFarlane for a while on art, but Todd had been listed first. This is the first one where they're both there, where we see Capullo listed first. So don't know if that's because he's doing more of the heavy lifting uh, or what exactly is going on there. Orzakowski does the letters as always. We have Steve Olaf on colors. Um, so kind of interesting, right? We did last issue when we saw that Spawn had literally crucified Curse up in the alleys that he calls his own, his turf back in New York as kind of a living warning sign for all the psychotics that have been coming after him. That's the way that he put it. Uh, and then we open up this book and there's a note right up there at the top. If you notice, it says this story uh, is begins where we left Spawn at, at the close of the Angela miniseries issue number three. So, you know, we've talked before about how we might get to the Violator series, might get to the Angela series. Those are both early miniseries that tied into the Spawn lore. We also talked, uh, Rocky and I, about a tie-in with Youngblood from Rob Liefeld and how Chapel got killed there and, and how we had a bit of a story jump. Uh, and we didn't really like it. A lot of it to do with, I don't want to have to go kind of hunt down young blood issues sort of because it was so sporadic. Um, and if these are that important, then it should take place in the spawn series itself. But, but I get it, right? Like McFarlane was only putting this out. If you wanted to do an Angela mini series or whatnot, you know, to, to get even more sales, I sort of understand it, but at the same time, it would have been nice if it was all just contained in, in one book. Um, but I guess, I mean, I don't begrudge the fact that McFarlane's got, you know, four books now. He's got Spawn, King Spawn, Gunslinger Spawn, and The Scorched, all set in the Spawn universe. So, uh, again, it's, and we talked about this before as well, with those crossovers, it almost felt like Todd was trying to start a Spawn universe or a connected superhero universe anyway, uh, way back then. So, regardless, 
for whatever reason, we do start off here in, I don't even know if it says where we are. We're in Alabama, but I, I think it takes a while to, to actually say that. But Spawn, you know, again, I haven't read the Angela Mini series, but Spawn is is out in, in the rural areas, out in the boonies, I guess you'd say. Just pops up here and this kid's like, hey, you know, you want to play ball with me? And Spawn's like, sorry, kid, not right now. He passes out. And this is actually a, a fantastic scene. Like, love it, right? We know and we've talked a lot about how heavy Spawn is fact that he's made out of psychoplasm and you know here he just passes out and the kids like uh andy frank is his name he's trying to pick him up and he's grunting groaning it's a great uh great scene there with with the art the way it's drawn with him gritting his teeth and you see sweat standing out of his face and we're told that uh there's no way andy frank is going to be able to lift over 400 pounds of psychoplasm right but give this kid credit for trying but what's awesome is he ends up like actually picking him up like in a cradle carry because while he's straining the chains, the chains that are alive that are a part of Spawn's costume are actually doing the lifting, which I just think is hilarious uh, that this kid thinks, I mean, even if he wasn't Spawn, right? Even if he was just a grown man, even a very thin grown man, this, this little kid, this five, six-year-old, whatever he is, is not going to be able to lift a grown man, but give him credit for trying. And I love the fact that the chains come to the rescue and he sticks them in the wagon. Um, now we're told that the wagon has been tested for weight up to 450. I'm not really buying that. That seems like a stretch, but I'm going to forgive it because it's such a fun scene. And of course, when he pulls the wagon, he's not going to be able to pull it either. But again, the chains are, are pushing uh, the wagon along, leaving cracks in the sidewalk. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great scene. You can see the silhouette there on top of the screen with the chains pushing behind, going chink, chink, uh, and the wagon straighting. Again, I, I just, it, it kind of stretches believability to think a wagon would uh, hold 450 pounds, but mm, whatever, it would be uh, the worst for the wear, I, I'm assuming. So anyway, Spawn's, he's kind of coming to here a little bit, still very, very weak, and he's he's asking the kid, you know, where where are we going? And the kid's like, oh, I got to go home. Uh, you know, if I'm late, my, my dad will get mad. He, he wouldn't understand. He never does. And when he, as he says that spawn starts to lose consciousness again, you know, the kid's pants are kind of drooping a little bit. He notices that he's got some bruises and some scrapes and some welts and whatnot on, the, on his backside. Um, but before spawn can ask anything or focus on that, he, he loses consciousness again. So meanwhile, back in Queens, New York, we get a scene of Wanda and Terry, uh, in the bedroom. We find out that Wanda returned safely after her very ill-advised trip into the alleyways of New York, searching for spawn. It wasn't bad enough that she went there. She went at night and it wasn't bad enough that she went there and she went at night. She went alone and it wasn't bad enough that she went there. She went at night at night and she went alone. She went wearing high heels. <laughs> it was completely ridiculous. So Terry, you almost think, and it, again, really greatly uh, rendered facial expression by Todd McFarlane, the incredulity in his face right there tells you everything you need to know, but you almost think it needs to be even more exaggerated, right? Uh, that is definitely a Capullo face. I almost wanted it to be a McFarlane face because McFarlane tends to exaggerate expressions even more. Uh, so that might've been even better with McFarlane. Uh, not that I begrudge Capullo's art at all. It's Capullo's art in him and McFarland both, whatever they're doing here, um, you know, again, they're collaborating on it. It's fantastic. But, you know, he's like, what the heck were you thinking? You know, and Wanda, she does look admonished there. So 
hopefully she's learned her lesson next time she'll take someone along with her. So they're talking a little bit about it, trying to figure out what to do next when in comes their, uh, their little girl, Cyan, and, and jumps in bed and interrupts their talk as, as little kids are uh, prone to do. So a, a very re- realistic scene there. Um, so Terry's happy to see her, picks her up, starts playing with her. And then we get the scene shift back to Alabama. And we see that uh, the little boy, Andy Frank, his father is actually a, a police officer. And he's mad because he, he comes home and he expected dinner to be on the table and it's not. And they, they're eating out every day. It's like, how do you think we can just eat out every day? You know, not made of money. And then I get home and I, I want a hot meal, not this garbage that you picked up. It's ice cold. And it's like, they're little kids, man. You're the adult. Why, why are they the ones responsible for putting dinner on the table? I mean, this guy clearly is, is kind of a jerk. Um, and we also see in the foreground and the background, the place is a mess, right? So clearly there's not a mom around and it's this, this dad is just out of control. Um, and this little kid saying, yeah, I'll get you some better stuff to eat. He's like, yeah, you, you, you better, but for someone to make you eat this like a dog, I'm like, who does that to their kid? Like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Um, so the older brother, as older brothers will often do, he tries to get his dad's attention. He, he's trying to take the beating for his younger brother, right? He's trying to protect him. Uh, but one smack, one backhand of the fist, and he's pretty much knocked unconscious. We do learn that his name is Eddie, and uh, the dad turns his attention back to the smaller of the kids. And I'm not finished with your little brother yet. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a pretty scene. Again, we've talked so many times in this Spawn series about how McFarlane doesn't pull any punches. It's this isn't lacking subtlety. I don't know that this this particular story would be told in such a way now. I mean, it's unfortunate that this kind of thing does still happen all too often. Actually, probably once a week, once every couple of weeks, we get a headline about some child being abused, and it's horrible. It's horrific. Um, but we tend to be a little more sensitive about those kind of things. So I'm not sure. I mean, I don't begrudge McFarland for, for putting this out there, at least it's starting the conversation, but I just wonder about kind of the, the overtness of it here. So anyway, we, the last scene on the page, we do get a little picture of the house and it's, it's kind of talking to us about the, the neighborhood, uh, Florence, Alabama is where we are. And, uh, we're told that's an all too uh, frequent activity that happens inside the house. And even though it gets noisy, everybody kind of pays, pays attention to their own lives. You know, they're not, they're not too worried about what their neighbors doing, especially if it's a well-respected police officer that lives in this house, you know, who would suspect. So we see later that both the boys have some bruises. Uh, the younger boy, Andy's even missing a tooth and he just, man, it makes you feel really bad for these kids. So, uh, Andy tells his older brother, Eddie, hey, you know, I got something to show you. Well, they're kind of worried about their dad. Well, don't worry. He's usually passed out by this time. And sure enough, when they peek into the living room. Uh, he, there he is passed out in front of the TV with a couple of beer bottles next to him. Uh, so they head out to the shack in the backyard, and that's where he's got Spawn. And <laughs> Andy's kind of talking to him like he's E.T. Hey, you know, do you, do you like Reese's Pieces? Does your finger glow? And Spawn's like, well, it, it used to, but I'm not sure if it still does. So obviously whatever went down in that Angela miniseries in issue three really drained Spawn of power. He's so weak. And even his costume is weak, you know, like, like we saw on the cover where it's not the full flowing cape. It's, it's very much subdued. It's almost like it's trying to regenerate itself. So the older brother's like, well, where did he come from? You know, Pa's uh, going to flip out if he finds out. And, 
Spawn asks about the bruises because obviously he's suspicious and they're like, oh, we, we just play a lot of tackle football. So it's clear that this dad terrorizes these kids and even has a, a built-in excuse for them when, to explain away the bruises if, if anybody asks, right? Because these kids must have bruises, you know, all the time. So they've been sort of trained or indoctrinated to always say, hey, you know, it's, it's from playing tackle football or whatnot. So uh, as they're talking to Spawn, Spawn's trying to get answers. Their dad wakes up, he's calling for him. And so they they go running inside again. They're worried about catching another beating and he's yelling, I want to be brain dead. It's past 10 o'clock. You need to be in bed early. We have church tomorrow. And meanwhile, Spawn is peeking out the window. He already has his suspicions. And the way the dad talks to the kids is only kind of confirming that. So we do get a little, little interlude. Now we did have an interlude with Sam and Twitch last issue as well where they discovered something in the file about Chief Banks that they were shocked by. We find out on this issue what it is, is it, apparently it looks like Chief Banks was the one who hired the killer who was responsible for killing the senator's child, that killer being Billy Kincaid. So Sam's like, man, no wonder Banks flipped out when Billy Kincaid was found dead in our office. He, he might have thought that that Kincaid had confessed that Banks had something to do with the uh, the kidnapping and the killing of the senator's uh, child. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. This Chief Banks, we haven't met him yet, but he seems to be a pretty bad guy. So, as Sam and Twitch are trying to figure out what to do with this, um, Sam says he's going to go grab a coffee. He walks out of the hall, and who does he run into but Chief Banks? And Banks is yelling at him, going, what are you moving so slowly for? Don't you ever have a sense of urgency to fulfill your duties? And Sam knows that he's got the, the goods on Chief Banks, right? So he kind of plays it up. He gets to be kind of smug and just, you know, he, he knows that he's untouchable, that Banks can't do anything. So uh, it, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic because I'm sure previous to this, Banks would yell and and Sam would, you know, hustle and, and like Banks says, jump and Sam says, how high, because he kind of had him by the short hairs. But now it's not that it's not that way anymore. The dynamic has has completely changed. And Banks even says, you know, um, I know you you and Twitch have been doing some stuff off the books and that's not OK. If I, if I catch you doing anything like that again, you're going to be suspended. And again, Sam can't help but but poke the bear, right? Because he knows he's got something. He knows he's got something over the chief. The chief's not even aware of it. He's like, yeah, it was rather unfortunate, you know, internal affairs and the Billy Kincaid death. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I'll be more careful or whatever. And Banks is like, you're going to talk back to me? Don't turn your back on me. What, what, what's with the stupid grin on your face? And Sam just walks away saying, oh, you're going to find out, chief, bank on it. And he, he kind of laughs at his own pun. So, uh, meanwhile, back in Alabama, Spawn is continuing to recover. He watches uh, these these two boys and their dad go to church, um, which is, you know, very two-faced. This guy's pretending to be a good Christian, and he's, you know, beating the hell out of his kids at, at home all the time. So it's, it's not so great, right? Um, and even at church, some of the people ask, uh, oh, playing a lot of tackle football again, aren't we? So again, that, that indoctrinated line that the kids give. And we also learn through context and exposition that their, their mom has, uh, has passed away, which we, you know, you pretty much suspect at this point. So uh, later in the day, dad's sitting in front of the TV, drinking a bunch of beer as usual, tells the the younger kid to go in and uh, bring him his last beer. 
uh, and to be careful because it is his last beer. Don't spill any of it. And, you know, he's a little kid, five, six years old. So he drops it, you know, it happens. And the dad, of course, freaks out because, you know, that was his last beer. And he gets so mad that he actually pulls his gun out of his, uh, his police belt. Like, Oh my God. Right. Like this is your own son, man. What the hell is wrong with you? And of course the younger brother comes in again and, uh, and kicks the dad and tries to uh, distract him, but there's no distracting him. And, and the dad actually pulls the trigger, but there was no bullet in the chamber and uh, the bullet just clicks or the gun just clicks and the dad walks away laughing. Um, you know, just how awful, right? Like nearly as bad as killing your kid. Like you're psychologically torturing them, like scarring them for life. And the dad thinks it's funny. He's actually laughing and, and tells him, go to bed. Uh, think about what could happen next time I'm going out to the pub. Like this guy's got no sense of responsibility for his kids. Like one thing to not take care of them and provide for them in terms of food or care or love, but like to go beyond that, even to make things worse. It's one thing to be like not harming bad enough. You're not taking care of them. Maybe if you're neutral, you're not harming them, but he's, he's actively harming his kids physically and mentally. Again, it's, it's just awful. No subtlety from McFarland here. So the boys are crying and they're trying to figure out what to do. Like he's getting worse. He was, uh, he was strangling me. I couldn't breathe. He wanted to kill me. And so they're trying to figure out what to do when spawn comes walking to the door, asking him what happened. And there's really no, no hiding it, even though the kids try to, they're like, nothing, nothing happened. And, you know, he didn't do anything. And, and spawn says, who didn't your dad, where'd he go? Um, and the, the, again, the, the boys, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome, right? Like as horrible as it, as it is, they feel some loyalty to this terrible human being. And they're, they're yelling at spawn. No, don't, don't. And meanwhile, Wanda's doing the same. She's had a bad dream about Spawn and she's wondering why she sees him everywhere. And she's kind of reliving the trauma that she experienced when Spawn beat up the guys in the alley. So Terry's trying to calm her down there. And again, it's, it's all this foreshadowing for how they're going to react when, uh, when they find out that uh, Al Simmons and Spawn are one and the same. So meanwhile, Spawn's trying to comfort the boys back in Alabama, telling him everything's going to be better. He promises he's going to do you know the best he can. And so he heads out to the, the bar where their father is and waits for the dad to, to leave. And when he does, he pulls him into an alley and he threatens them. It's like, you know, I ought, to, I ought to knock your block off. And again, the thing that I have to wonder, I'm sure Rocky would say the same, like you killed the child molester, right? Billy Kincaid, the child serial killer. Um, in my mind, this guy's nearly as bad. And you, you haven't had qualms about killing before. And if anybody sort of deserves it, it would be this guy, or at least make sure that he can never hurt his kids again. But what Spawn actually does is just threatens him. Like, again, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big threat. He uses a little bit of his power. And he says, this won't hurt but I'm going to leave you something to remember me by to make sure you get the message. And it'll, if you're good, it'll fade in a month. So meanwhile, when the kids come home the next day from school, they go running up to their room and their dad is sitting there in their bunk beds 
And we see that what Spawn did was he he sort of tattooed him. I guess it's a temporary tattoo. It would fade away in a month, you know, and it says, I beat my kids like all over his body. Uh, and we can tell the dad's been drinking as well. So, uh, again, no subtlety, but I think Spawn kind of messed up here. Again, if anybody deserved to, and even if you're not going to kill the guy, like call the cops, do something like remove these kids from this house. You know, it's not enough. Like somebody, Spawn should have known better. Al Simmons should have known better. Maybe he had a great home life and, and so he doesn't have experience with this, but you got to know that this is just going to make it worse for these kids. So basically these kids are, are suffering the beating that, that is Spawn's, right? Like the dad couldn't attack Spawn. He doesn't have the, that power. Spawn would have just kicked the crap out of him. So this guy's anger at what Spawn did, Spawn doesn't pay the price for that anger. The kids do. And he goes for the little one first. And it, it's horrible. This, this older brother has to hear his, his younger brother calling for him. Eddie, Eddie, help me, help me. And he, he tries to get away. He can't because he knows he can't help. He can't sit there and watch it. He's even covering his ears because he doesn't want to hear his brother's cries. And he goes downstairs. He's at the kitchen table. He sees the gun, right? And so he runs upstairs. There's the dad still beating on the kid. And uh, he holds the gun out and he says, get off him now. I mean it. And his dad, you know, not believing how many times I've told you that thing's not a toy. And the older brother says, I know. And then blam. So that's how it ends. We don't know. Did did the dad wrestle a gun away from the older son? Did the older son actually get his revenge? Was this what Spawn maybe wanted all along? I, I tend to doubt that. It more seems like it's, it's, what, uh, it's what McFarlane wanted in terms of the story. To, I mean, justifiable, if there was ever a justifiable homicide, this is certainly it. Um, but yeah, I just question the the choice that Al Simmons made to just let me humiliate this guy, right? Let me threaten him and then humiliate him by putting these temporary tattoos on him and then let me send him back to his house with the kids that he abuses. Let me send the abuser back to live with the abused. It just seems like a bad choice all around. Like call call the cops, call somebody um like knock the guy out, hang him from a tree, do something where authorities are going to show up and it's going to be obvious that this guy has been beating his kids instead of you just think that you're going to, I'm going to threaten him and he's going to listen to me. Um, or if this is what you choose to do, Al Simmons, then at least hang around and make sure that the guy's not going to take out his humiliation and anger for being confronted by you on the kids. You know, so I, I really question Al Simmons' choice here. Now, again, Al doesn't have kids. Maybe he doesn't have experience with abuse. So, kind of some slack. But just thought it was strange, the choice that, uh, that Al Simmons made. But all in all, it's, it's a powerful issue. It, it is a, a touchy subject. I'm glad that in a way that McFarland did it because it, it does start the conversation it is it's a tough conversation it's an uncomfortable conversation and like i said unfortunately that kind of abuse still goes on today so interesting to go from what we've been doing in spawn with all the different sorts sort of storylines bouncing between the supernatural and the heaven and hell war um to the 
the past of Al Simmons and how that ties into what's been going on. And then in this one, uh, 29, we almost get like a PSA, right? Like a public service announcement for, hey, let's not abuse kids. Um, Like anybody needs to be told that. But unfortunately, there are those that do abuse kids. So maybe they do need to be told that. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, fantastic art, touchy subject. Interesting to see where we're going to go from here, too. Again, because I haven't been reading. We haven't read or touched on the Angela miniseries or the Violator miniseries. So how does Spawn get back to New York? Is he going to teleport back? Like, what exactly is going on here? What's the storyline? What's going to happen next? You know, we we had that Hunt storyline, the four issue that we covered. Um that was so much to do with the, the forces that were aligned against uh, spawn from his past, the mob CIA, uh, FBI, uh, and the NYPD. And it felt like we we're going to bounce back to the supernatural stuff. And maybe, maybe it did in the Angela series, but again, we haven't read that. Um, and so now it's been kind of, we've been kind of in this no man's land where we're not really dealing with the past. Although we do have Wanda and Terry, sort of trying to figure out who Spawn is in a way, get more information about him um, and exploring who was going uh, going after Terry, who was framing him. So it's a little bit of that past story. And we've had a little bit of the heaven and hell war with Curse, who felt like he should have been an agent of heaven, uh, but we, we haven't really settled. Um, and then when we get this issue, it's almost like, you know, I, I've talked in the past when we, when we did 25 issue 25 that Mark Silvestri drew about how it had uh, had a villain that didn't even get named in that issue. And I, I talked about how it felt a little bit smallville freak of the week. Um, and this sort of feels like that too, like a one and done story. And again, there's nothing wrong with one and done stories. Uh, Cause this is certainly that because you know, the insinuation here is this horrible father got what he deserved by being shot and killed. So he's not a villain that you would expect to see again uh, and not really a, you know, match for spawn anyway, in that way. So um, yeah, not sure. Almost like we're trading water a little bit, but we'll, we'll see where it goes next issue. So uh, again, if you want to check out the uh, the video, I'm not sure when Rocky's going to be able to get these videos up on his uh, YouTube channel, but there's plenty of other videos out there. Uh, if you haven't seen all the spawn dailies, they're on there. Uh, Rocky's channel is comic boom on YouTube. So comic space, boom, exclamation point. If you don't already subscribe, please go and do so ring the notification bell. So you know, when new content comes out, subscribe and like this video, all that stuff really helps out. Uh, conversely, if you check us out on YouTube regularly, but um, you're not listening to the other comic source content, that's audio only on the podcast. The way you can make sure you don't miss anything is go to your favorite podcasting platform or podcasting app on your smart device, do a search for the comic source and subscribe. Whatever platform it is, Google, Stitcher, um, iTunes, we're, uh, we're on all of them. Um, you can even ask your Alexa to play the, the comic source and, uh, and she'll play the most recent episode for you. So we're everywhere. And again, we appreciate the subscribers. We appreciate the support because all of that helps us grow our reach and it allows us to get more access to creators and content and uh, share all that with you guys. So uh, again, really appreciate the support and for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. 
The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.